We surpassed the previous year's revenue by 12%. I thought a lot about this question. There's no truck in here. (laughs) There's no truck. As soon as we pulled that lever to do more social media on this specific campaign, we saw our revenue go up. Welcome to the Social Media RI Hot Seat Podcast. My name is Emmerich Arnoum. I'm the CEO of Agora Pulse, and since 2011, I've been obsessed by proving that social media was more than likes and followers, that it was actually delivering a real return on investment and a business impact that can be measured. At the beginning of 2022, Agora Pulse launched a social media ROI tracker and report. And since then, I've been on a quest. The quest of social media ROI success stories you can learn from and be inspired by. This is why this podcast exists, and I hope that thanks to what you're going to learn following it, you too will be measuring the business impact of social media on your business or the business of your clients. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Rhonda. I'm very excited to have you today on my new podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Um, We had uh, the privilege of getting to know each other uh, very recently before the summer as you were working with our software. So that's how we got to know each other. And uh, we've exchanged a lot of uh, uh, emails and LinkedIn about me wanting to learn more from you on how you leverage social media to measure the business impact. So I'm very happy to have you on the show today. And for our listeners, what I would like you to do as an introduction is to, in like three minutes or less, give them the big picture of who is Rhonda Geet and uh, why they should care. <laughs> Um, Thank you so much. I am a marketing professional with over 20 years of experience and have helped two startups be acquired, one by Electronic Arts, one by MTV Networks. Last year, I also helped take a company public. Currently, I am one of the portfolio advisors for Hatchet Ventures. We are a successful group of executives that have a bias for action and prioritizing helping underrepresented founders such as women, BIPOC, LGBTQ+, veterans, first-generation college grads, non-college grads, and many others. I'm also a fractional chief marketing officer working with companies in the manufacturing and SaaS industries. And social media has always played a large role at a lot of companies that I've worked at. And it's mainly been a branding tool for us to help raise awareness and target customers during different points of our buyer's journey. So I'm very excited to be here and talking social media with you. I love the bias for action. I feel the same way. So it's a, it's a great bias to have, in my opinion. Um, social media being a branding tool, that's, that's a great segue to get to my first question. My first question is, about the time when you realized that social media was a branding tool and probably only a branding tool and you wanted social media to be more than that and to have business impact that you can measure. Do you remember when you had that realization that, oh yeah, it got, it got to do more, it got to be more. Do you remember what it was and and what get you there? Yes. So managing several marketing teams over the years, you want to know what's working and what's not so you can focus your limited resources and efforts into getting better customers to convert into paying customers. 
And I've always asked any marketing manager, social media coordinator that I've had, anyone, what are we doing with social media? What channels are performing the best? What is getting us the best results? What is contributing to revenue? And we would pull reports for hours trying to get information from Google Analytics and other resources to try to piece together what was working and what wasn't. And we kind of got a general idea, but nothing that I felt comfortable going to an executive leadership team with and saying, social media is driving X percent of our revenue and our bottom line. And I just kind of thought, oh, that's not possible with social media. You know, you can do it with many other marketing channels, email, you can say this email, AB test generated X number revenue more per week. But you've never been able to do that with social media. And when I discovered Agora Pulse, it became a complete game changer for me. I had the ability to track revenue from social media and also understand different links within the post, what was working, what wasn't, what was resonating with a particular target audience or persona that we were going after and track that all the way through and and easily report on it and know that I was confident in the numbers. And I never had that before. Uh, So it's it kind of helps focus executives and and people who are heading up marketing on okay, we have limited resources. This is working. We know it's contributing to revenue, so we're going to put more effort behind it. When you don't have that data behind it, it's hard to to say that confidently, even though you know that it is working, but you don't have the data to back it up. And what were you measuring before you started thinking about measuring business impact revenue and everything? What was the, what was the typical report like? And typical report were followers compared to competitors, likes, uh, engagement, comments, repost. It, you know, what what I call marketing fluff numbers. You know, it's nice to know that people are interacting with your content and maybe even downloading something if you have a trackable link in there. But a lot of the ICPs that I have marketed to uh, don't like to be tracked. So they will be on a, a browser that strips all that information away uh, and and sometimes you can't track it all the way through. Um, having um, having those ICPs definitely present a challenge. but uh, so we we could only report on what the individual pl- social media platform was giving me. and I, I don't always trust that either when you're on Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, are those numbers valid? Because you need to back it up. And and I understand not all numbers are one-to-one, especially when you start doing integrations, you have some fall-off, but they need to be close. And having a one source of truth where you can access that information and know that it is correct and accurate is really helpful. So when you were doing these reports with the the engagement and the likes and the followers, and 
were you um, sharing them with uh, the the C suite and the the VPs and the execs or or not? Like, yeah, okay, you. No you one cares. No one cares. About that. They didn't care. <laughs> okay, okay. So how did you how did you educate them on on caring about social media? How did you? Okay, they. This is part of my job. I'm doing social, part of many other things, but it's part of my um, my scope. How did you educate them so they changed their view? What did you do to make them pay attention to what was being do, do, done on social media? Well, I, I think it's a blessing and a curse that social media has never really been one of those channels that a lot of executives care about. So I never really brought it up. It was just part of the overall marketing mix of this is what we're doing. And as long as you were getting results and hitting your revenue numbers, no one asked questions. And, you know, it it's because social media hasn't been viewed as that strong channel for driving revenue. I feel that it it's just kind of set up as, oh, it's a branding tool. We need branding. We know that it's beneficial. We just don't know how beneficial. With Agora Pulse, it makes it concrete and gives you a proof point where you can have those conversations with executives, especially if, uh, and every marketer has had this, of, oh, we should do this on this channel because it's amazing and I just read this article and everyone's doing great on it. That that could be true if your ICP is there. <clears throat> If your audience isn't on that channel, then it's not going to work for you. And having those data points to have that discussion where it becomes tangible instead of, I feel that this is working, or I I saw this, or a competitor did this, you have tangible results to show, look, this is what worked, this is what it resulted in, and and having that data that you're confident in is a game changer. So you don't think we can sell enterprise CRM on TikTok? <laughs> I'm not saying that. Okay, I, you I, don't know this. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I, you, it, it depends on where your customers are. And there are some B2B customers on TikTok. Yeah, there are some, absolutely. Um, Speaking of tracking impact, what what can you tell me about the tech stack that you've used, or that your clients have used? That you had to the tech stack you had to use when you were working for clients as a fractional CMO. What is the typical tech stack, and what are the different pieces of software you you've seen, you know, and you had to reach together? I have pretty much used anything and everything under the sun: Google Analytics, HubSpot, Salesforce, Looker, homegrown stuff. anything and everything. And everyone knows that tracking is vital. You need to show the impact of what your efforts are. And for a marketer, you need to know which channels are working for you so that you know what levers to pull. You may not report that up to the board or the executive team, but to get the results that you need, you need to have that data. However, at the end of the day, Revenue is the only thing that matters, and you need to keep that in mind. But everyone knows when you're setting up tracking, it's really hard 
because one, you either want to track everything and then you have all this data and you don't you don't know how to interpret it or you don't track enough or you don't track it all the way through. You don't have a way to verify your data and ensure that you're you're tracking to that revenue number. You get pieces of it. And I think that's a lot more difficult than a lot of people realize. And especially today, so many companies use so many tech, tech stacks. I think I, I heard um, an average of like eight or 10 tech stacks across a normal organization. And and that's a lot of integrations. That's a lot of data to source through. And, um, you know, no one piece of software can really track everything that you need. And on top of it, you usually still have to do manual calculations at some point before you can even start interpreting the data. So having a software platform such as Agora Pulse that has that one source of data for social media and you can verify it through the individual platforms and through Google Analytics, you can say, look, yeah, they're not one-to-one, but they're close enough and are one source of truth for this particular channel is going to be our social media platform. And and if you can have that for each of the channels, you know, for email marketing, for social media, for for everything that is in your marketing mix, then um, it helps you get to where you need to be. A, a great segue on on the tech stack and what you measure. We talked a lot about measuring the revenue. Yes, you're right. Revenue is what matters in the end. But you and I both know that you cannot measure every single piece of revenue origin like there are a lot of our revenue we don't know where it's coming from it's coming from a, the a combination of things uh but at the end of the day especially in our world in my world b2b SaaS, where we sell to businesses and uh, uh there is the need for lead generation and there's a need for brand awareness in the early days and there's a need for making sure that people are considering us when they're considering buying a new piece of software in our case revenue is something but if I only rely on revenue, what I'm going to get at the end is not going to be very exciting. Let's put it this way. So I also focus a lot on measuring everything that's happening, like the trailing indicators, everything that's happening before the revenue is triggered and generated. That is important to me. Like people who visit my pricing page, people who sign up for a free trial, uh, people who download piece of you know marketing that I created for DGen. Uh, to explain what we do and the value we do. All these things I measure, and they have a lot of value to me because I know that eventually if people consume enough of them or act do, you know, act on these enough, it will eventually lead to revenue, even though my tracking software, like my, my Google Analytics, for example, will not be able to track all the way there because they're using their mobile for step number one and their iPad for step number two and then their laptop for step number three and a friend's computer for for subscribing like you know and that you know is going to break the whole cycle so what what kind of goals um were you tracking when you were working for clients what was your focus was were were you focused on simplicity were you focused on tracking as many goals as possible um was your did you have some some kind of framework to define the goals you want to track that are the trailing indicators of future revenue Yes. When I normally start working with a customer, I start very simple. Start with the basics. 
what is your web traffic? How much of that web traffic is your primary audience that you're going after? How uh, is your lifetime value? Uh, because if you're if you're getting customers and they're buying, but then they're not renewing, that's a problem. How long does it take in the buying cycle? Because that varies by product, by company, by industry. Uh, what is your conversion rate? What's your bounce rate? All of those, what I call it foundational marketing metrics, I track all of them. You know, I usually have on average about 30 reports that I look at on either a daily, weekly, or monthly basis to track all of that. You're looking, if, if you're working with an e-commerce client, what is the conversion through your your cart? Where are people falling off? And you adjust that. And, and as a marketer, you need to know that to keep the business running. However, as an executive, when you're talking to the executive leadership team and the board, I think a, an issue, an obstacle that marketers have to overcome is not taking those metrics that mean a lot to you to those meetings. Because in, unless you're in it day in and day out, you don't understand the pieces together and you don't have the time for the head of marketing to tell you the story to get so that you understand it. Uh, and I think as a head of marketing, you have to walk that line between knowing the day-to-day metrics that you're looking at and how to interpret and leverage that, and then how to take that information and put it into terminology that the executive leadership team also understands so that they're like, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Yes, that makes sense. And, and keep going. Um, so I, I think that is, is something that marketers have to wear multiple hats for that on metrics. But yes, I, I'm one of those people that I measure everything and, (laughs) and, uh, and I test everything. So it is, um, it is in my DNA. It's just how I am marketing. Yeah. Well, I, one thing I've realized, cause I've, I'm on this, I'm on the C-suite part. I'm the CEO and I have my, my CMO who, who comes to us and explains what he's doing. And one thing I've realized is like, yes, we want to see the high level metrics, but we still want to go a little, you know, one step deeper to understand an MQL, a marketing qualified leads. It can be so many different things. So we still want to go beyond MQL and say, okay, what does that mean? Do we, do we have intent in that? Do we measure that? And how do we measure that? Do we have uh, a vertical? You know, do we do we measure it? It's any kind of MQL that can come from any kind of vertical. Do we, do we have geographic? So I, I still go beyond MQL. I say, okay, you got that many MQLs, but I want to know if they're good or bad. And my, my way of knowing if they're good or bad is, where are they located? Are they big companies or small companies? Are they um, checking my pricing page or not? Like so, and and connecting all these dots to try to get intent and and right fit in terms of ICP and types of clients. So, and and that's what that's how we've defined our our Google Analytics goal. So we we can have a little bit of that in the goals that we track. It is not perfect, but it's much better than just revenue, which is uh, I don't know if I'm capturing everything. 
It's true. And you are a dream CEO to any marketer. (laughs) (laughs) You you are, you are. I think all marketers wish that CEOs would dig a little deeper and and sometimes you know they don't they don't have that background or they don't have that time and they rely on the the people that they hire to do that for them. Uh so to me that is that is a dream. So um I'm sure your CEO is very uh, yeah, I- I've done a lot of our marketing in the early days of being a bootstrap company uh, and being a founder. You got to do everything. So marketing was was my area of expertise and my co-founder was our CTO. So we both had our own things and it worked pretty well. Uh, We touched base on that for a minute and we mentioned TikTok. And I'm curious to know, what have you seen in terms of social networks working for your clients or the companies you've worked for? And I'm sure they've been pretty different and varied. What have you seen? And is there any pattern? Like if you're B2C, you got to do this. If you're B2B, you got to do that. Well, I kind of know a little bit about that, but I'd love to hear it from you. <laughs> you probably know more about it than I do because you can look across all of your True. your clients and, and see what's working. But, you know, like with anything, it depends. I'm working with a company called Skin Theory who is taking the mystery out of skincare and they want to track where their downloads are coming from their app and which channels are working best for them. So they're B2C and Facebook, Instagram, TikTok work really well for them. For some of the B2B companies that I'm working with, us in technology who are diversifying the tech industry, total B2B, having success with TikTok. Their members go on and have testimonials and they're doing really great with TikTok. ZNE Capital, who is saving one planet, uh, saving the planet one apartment building at a time. They're working to net zero carbon um, emissions. They get a lot of LinkedIn. And I don't think that you can say, oh, if I'm B2B, I've got to be on this platform. And if I'm B2C, I've got to be on this platform. It really is where is your audience and how are you going to reach them? And and that that is proven with a couple of those companies. Okay, I I, I can't I can't let you go without going uh, a little bit, one step deeper on that B two B company that's successful on TikTok. What can you what can you share with us that you understood that made them successful on TikTok as a B two B company? Um, the, the 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 little tactics and the things that they've been doing on TikTok. So us in technology, they are this amazing company that is helping uh, first generation college students, um, minority groups that are in the tech world. They're mentoring these groups of talent pools um, across a whole host of disciplines and then working with companies to have a pipeline to hire from. So I think in that that kind of setup, TikTok makes sense because you know you have the talent going. This is amazing. You have B two B enterprise customers who are hiring from it who all want to be on TikTok and are trying to figure out how to do TikTok. So it makes sense that it works for them. It it you have to look at it holistically. And in their business, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and just to have, 
you know, that talent pool saying, oh, this has been so great. They helped mentor me. I didn't know about negotiating an employment contract or what to ask for or, um, you know, there's all these soft skills that you don't get when um, you're going through college. And even if you're um, not going through college and you're applying for a job, like there's a lot of things that you just learn along the way. And us in technology is helping speed up that by mentoring these talent pool groups that then in turn stay with companies longer. So um, I think it, it's all how your your business is set up and who your audience is. Makes sense. Makes sense. If you had to pick one of the companies or clients you work for, that's an amazing example of success on measuring business impact on social media. Which one would it be, and what would be what was the success, and how was it measured? I I thought a lot about this question. <laughs> yeah, because we have the questions in advance. I didn't surprise you. There's there's no trap in here. <laughs> There's two trap, and I racked my brain, and you know, because I was I was trying to come up with an answer of like this company before I used Agora Pulse, so that uh, I wasn't a, a, a walking talking billboard for you. It doesn't have to be about Agora Pulse, absolutely not. You know, I, I, this is not an ad for me. You're you're, you're doing a great job. I, I, I'm 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 grateful, but uh, it can't be anything else. That's absolutely okay. I, I mean, if you're if you're looking at companies just mass market wise, I think people who are are doing companies and I haven't worked with them, but are like Wendy's and Oreo, they have a great social media presence and they are on top of every trending topic and all of that. If you're looking at B two B companies, I think. Pavilion and Sixth Sense and Gated do a great job of of providing value to their customers and um, not forcing people through a, a particular funnel, but being a source of research and inspiration for when a company is looking for a new solution. Um, so I I think. There are few companies that are are really doing social media super super well, and I, um, you know, as I said before, most of the companies that I've worked with view social media as a branding tool. And yes, there's some great things that you can do, but um, it's nothing that you know I think is on the level of those companies. Got it. Got it. But if you if you if you were going back in in the latest companies you worked with, like what is it that was success for them, and 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 how did you measure it? Like if if you're thinking about the companies you worked for, uh, the last companies you worked for, where you where you measured business success? Do you have anything? I, I I'd love for the audience to get something specific that they can learn from and they can apply. Oh yeah, I can try that too on my own and try that at home and see how it works for me. <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest success that I've seen with um, social media was at a past company, we used to do annual Cyber Monday deals that were super successful every single year we did them. And one year we were tracking to the same level that we were the year before. 
And I'm a super competitive person. And I was not happy that we were going to hit the same number uh, that we were the the year before. Uh, My social media manager was a rock star. Love her. And I I called her up and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? And we made a game time decision halfway through the day to do a bigger social media push, which... You know, you have this whole strategic plan when you're going into Cyber Monday and and you know what works and you know what levers you're going to pull. And social media just, again, was that branding tool. But I was like, I I have it in my gut that I think this is going to work. And on the fly, we came up with a campaign that spoke to a very specific audience on Facebook. And it worked. We, We surpassed the previous year's revenue by 12%. I was so excited and I fully contribute that to social media and the efforts that we did because, you know, we were tracking on an hourly basis where our revenue was. And as soon as we pulled that lever to do more social media on this specific campaign, we saw our revenue go up. Now we couldn't track everything through, but that's the only thing that we changed. So I know in my gut that 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 worked for us. So that's really interesting. So basically the way you were able to attribute that increase, that 12% increase in revenue to social media was because of timing. It was because, yes, because of timing. And, you know, of course, the whole strategy helped get us to where we were the year before. But to get that bump, it really came from social media. And that was Facebook mostly. It surprisingly, it was Facebook. Yes. And what was that 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 um, you know, persona that you were going after that was specifically on Facebook? Or they- surprisingly, the the audience that we went after were men buying Christmas presents and holiday presents for their loved ones. Oh, okay. And, um, and it worked. Yeah, I I can relate to that. I, I always work through, oh my God, what am I going to buy? What am I going to buy? I mean, if I'm on Facebook at that very moment and I see something that's valuable, I'm just going to go and I found something. I'm good. Yes. <laughs> I'm so, going to be married next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, um, it was a very specific audience that wasn't in our primary ICP, but we knew that they were out there and that they did buy and we took a gamble and it worked. Okay. Now, the less shiny uh, side of things, if you had to think about failing at measuring, getting business impact from social, like what have you done that you're not going to do again uh, on social media that was a waste of time because you couldn't prove, you couldn't prove that it's working and, and, and you didn't want to keep doing it? You know, my biggest failure, which was attributed a lot to social media, uh, was a product launch that I was working on and we were relying on social media to build the momentum, to build the awareness and to reach our ICP. The launch was a total flop. It it crashed and burned spectacularly. And this was due to several factors, but the biggest one was not having a hundred percent buy-in from the entire executive leadership team. Yes, they said 
yes, we're going to do this. Yes, this product is going to launch on this time. Yes, we're all on board. But I had this nagging feeling that something wasn't right. Something was holding them back. And I should have trusted my gut and really pushed to find out what what was causing them to hesitate and what what was not being said. And um, I think because of that, um, you know, when we when we launched the product, we had this huge push on sh- on social media, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we don't want to say that. We don't want to do this. Oh, I'm not sure. Like, let let's not publicize that. You know, let uh, and all of the like fear and worry and unspoken issues came up as we launched and and it didn't it didn't really work and uh, I think you have to sometimes take a step back and not worry so much about the product launch date and getting to that end goal and really saying what what is it that that you are are not good with and and it turned out to be that they didn't really want social media to be their, you know, the vehicle to, for this product launch for whatever reason. And, um, and I, and I don't think that we were quite ready to launch the product to be a hundred percent, um, honest on that. But I think you just learn from those and, you know, everyone fails. Everyone has those major blunders and you're like, okay, pick yourself up, regroup. We still have a product. We need to sell it. <laughs> it won't be the great launch that it was. And and you just regroup and you, and you learn from it. Um, but I would say trust your gut and and really dig in because when things start to to hit and people are like, oh wait, no, um, there's something behind that and. Uh, and you need to trust your gut. So my my last question is about what what is next on your journey to social media ROI and measuring business impact. Like, what what do you want to go next? What do you want to try next? What what do you want to win at next? Well, I am really enjoying working with the entire portfolio companies within Hatchet Ventures, and a lot of them are at pre seed and seed stage. So they are doing social media, but not quite to, you know, the grand level that they'll get to. Um, so I'm excited to see as they grow, how social media grows, the campaigns that they do, the different channels that they try and knowing that they're able to track it now, um, they're going to set the world on fire in a good way. Um, <laughs> and, and be really great. And then, for some of the fractional CMO uh, clients that I'm working with, you know, I'm working with them to really help accelerate their growth to get them to an attractive exit. And social media can really help with that. Uh, whether you are trying to get acquired or going IPO, having that social media presence to drive what you're doing and let specific audiences know 
whatever message that you're going after is really key to part of that growth. And and now I can track it. Cool. Um, I have one question that's unrelated, but that's something I heard you say in one of the previous interviews I did with someone in my team. And uh, I'd, like, I'd like to see if you remember. Um, you had someone in your team who came to you and said, oh, I, want, I want to use Tool X. We're not going to mention names. I want to use Tool X. And Tool X is, is, is very affordable, not to say cheap. And um, you had doubt about the cheap tool. And you thought that, there was there was one ideal way to make that person realize that the cheap tool was not the right solution. Can you share with me what you what you what you told her? What you advise her to do? <laughs> yes. So uh, I I love building teams and mentoring uh, people on my team so that they can grow their career. And as I have learned and just said, you learn from your failures. So. I said, let's go for it. And I knew it was going to be painful, but fortunately, you know, as I said before, social media was not at the forefront of the executive team. So I had room to play with it. She set it up, started doing posts on it, and I'm asking for these reports and 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 all of this and it was painful. It was really painful for her. And I think she would sit there like pulling her hair out going, oh, what in the world? And I I let her suffer for a few months. I, I, I did. Um, you mean, Rhonda? <laughs> <laughs> I did. It, it, you know, it wasn't one of those things where, because she knew right away. Um, and I was like, okay, we, we need to wait three months and see and like maybe it will get better, you know. Maybe you just need to learn the tool and to not. And so, I you know it's coming up on the three month mark, and I was like, okay, it sounds like we need to change platforms. Go out, find some platforms, bring me the pros and cons. You know what we're looking for. You know what you don't like, yeah. And and, and what you know what you don't like, and what's going to help you do your job. And she did. And uh, she brought me Agora Pulse. And when she was presenting all the choices, I was just like, I don't know this company. And we just went through this. And um, I was like, are you 100% sure? Because you're going to have to live with us. Yeah, and, uh, she's like, yes, yes, I am. And uh, yeah, it, it was a game changer. I, I wanted you to share that story because I thought it was really, really smart of you to not tell her what to do, but to let her go experience what the choice she was about to make is going to mean for her and let her make the decision and realize for herself. I thought that was great coaching. And I, I when I heard that, I said, oh, that's amazing. I should be doing, oh, I want to buy this or I want to try that. Or, okay, go. I, I don't think it's a good idea, but I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to let you try. I'm going to let you experience the pain it probably is going to be, but I don't want to, I won't be the one telling you. I want you to feel that pain and then come back to me and say, okay, yeah, no, it doesn't work. So that was a really smart <laughs> thing. I am very happy that it was another tool and it eventually came to us. We didn't know us before. So like I, I had absolutely no influence in that process, but I thought that was really smart. 
Rhonda, thank you very much for uh, having shared your uh, social media ROI journey with me. And uh, I wish you the best for the next uh, couple of months. And I've been thrilled to have you on the show. And um, thank you very much. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed it.